Elaine, you don't like the movie? I hate it! I want to rent a movie. I want to rent a movie. What's that for? You work in a video store. I work in a shitty video store. I want to go to a good video store so I can get a good movie. Money now and a lot more when I get in that office. I can take that to the bank. I'm gonna take you to the bank, Senator Trent. To the Black Bank. I treated you like a son! You fucking stabbed me in the heart! Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck! Master, number three managed to get the gold, but he just sent up a signal. Right. I'll check what the problem is. And then, I'll avenge you. Don't worry. These men are all gonna die. Threaten her with a bomb. No, I said I didn't have a bomb. You said bomb. I said it's not like I have a bomb. You said bomb on an airplane. What's wrong with saying bomb on an airplane? You can't say bomb. Hey, hey, everybody, episode 10, uh, Breaking Brad, Skinamarink, that's what we're talking about. We um, <laughs> we pick movies that, well, Brad. Yes, sir. The, the original concept was to pick movies over the year that would break you. And at, at, at one point, like for the first, I don't know, six of them, we, we were filling out the psychological profile to see at what point, what was the movie that was going to break you. Yeah, it was actually kind of fun. Yeah, um, we don't fill that out anymore because now you're broken, we're broken. Um, yeah, and and you guys had a chance to to avoid all of this pain and sorrow, but you wanted to keep going. Uh, how, how do you feel about that? Well, I'm standing, I'm I'm staring at this corner, and wait, is something happening? <laughs> nope. No, no. <laughs> wait, is something happening? No. No, no, nope. Yeah, still um, nothing. Okay, yep, nothing happened. Yeah, you wanna you wanna introduce our um, our other participants of this experiment, or I should say, victims. I don't know. Yeah, uh, victim number one would be Sammy from the GGTMC. <laughs> Z C. Uh, Sammy, how are you, sir? I'm just completely. Oh, cannot be answered. Ooh, <laughs> wow. Oh, that was uh, that was chilling. Okay, you tell me there to go downstairs. That was, that was the uh, go to sleep. I was looking in the corner. I stepped on a Lego, and that's what my voice turned into. Mm. That'll happen. There is and, only. I mean, I stepped, I stepped right on. I was like, "Ouch!" <laughs> <laughs> and victim number two would be Jose from a Watch Skip Plus. Jose, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> actually, I was going to be like, "Hey, fuck you, Troy," <laughs> for hey. picking this one because. Oh, listen, ugh. I. I warned you guys. I warned you. We could have stopped. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you did. And, you know, we're doing this because we're soldiers. Not to get too patriotic, but we, we want to see the experiment through. Okay. Close to the end. Yeah. The, here's the thing. At this point, 
You say it can get worse. It can. I don't. I don't think I believe you. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. We shall see. Yeah, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this Marvel movie style. This episode is just a bridge to the next two. Can't wait for the next two. There okay. you go. Okay, there you Marvel go. movie oh, style, y'all. This Ugh. is the multitude of uh, multitude of madness. Multitude, <laughs> multiverse <laughs> of madness. <laughs> well, um, I, I guess just a, a little background for for everybody. Uh, I had seen this in the theater. I, I believe you had seen it as well in the theater, right, Jose? Yes. Okay. Sadly. Sammy, <laughs> you had watched this before, but kind of on fast forward, right? Uh, Not fast forward. The first time I watched it, I watched the first 15 minutes, turned it off. Oh. Watched okay. uh, about another 20 minutes, turned it off. Watched about another 25 minutes, turned it off, and then fast forwarded. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's fair. Um. I, I, and I didn't even I didn't even log it on Letterbox because if I fast forward anything I don't log them because I don't feel like I gave it a true watch. Oh, I yep. like that. I now, like that. now listen, I'm a very you guys know me. The people that listen to this show that have listened to me for 15 years, I'm a very, very, very forgiving film fan. Yes, you are. This, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about this. Okay. And and Brad, I believe your first time watch uh lasted 20 minutes and then you were like, nope. It did. Yep. Okay. That seems to be the magic number. Somewhere in that 15 to 20 minutes, people were like, yeah. Yeah. So technically, um Jose and I have seen this twice, but we we did it Ugh. under well, let me let me backtrack. I've seen it twice now. My second viewing was with the commentary. Jose, you've seen it two and a half times. You want to explain that real quick? Yeah. So, um, for well, just to preface this, uh, I believe we saw. Did we all see the trailer during like an Alamo horror movie? Yes. Marathon. That's where we saw um, it. Yeah. Yep. And then I remember leaning over to you guys and being like, "Oh, Shutter just acquired this, and it's getting all this buzz. It's supposed to be really, really scary, or what have you." So yes, I saw it in the theater. I watched it again just fully through just to be like, okay, did I have a bad take on this when I first saw it? And then I tried to listen to the commentary, but the guys were so, they were sort of rude and snarky and so you didn't make it through the, the commentary. commentary seriously. No, okay. I turned it off after about 50 minutes. Okay. An hour and 10, something like that. Got it. Well, wow. all right. Uh, a little background on this film. So, uh, and, and Jose, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. I'll, I'll just do some basic information. It was a film that was shot over seven days on a $15,000 budget. And a lot of it was crowdfunded as well. Correct. Yep. Okay. And, uh, it, it went through some, uh, I, I, would you call it a bidding war? A couple of people, a couple of studios were after this thing. Is that accurate? They were, um, if I remember from the trades, it had done really, really well on certain circuits, uh, circuit film festivals. Yeah. And yes, there was like a big bidding war to try to snap this up. And, you know, I think they thought it was the next Blair Witch. Right. So, and, and Blair Witch is it is its own thing. Um, now, this one walked away. Some after, might call it an actual movie, Troy. They could. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this one had a $15,000 budget, but even with its limited theatrical screenings, it raked in 2.1 million and um ended up How much up did it cost again? 15,000. 15,000. 15, 15, yeah. Uh and 
you, you can find out how they shot it and everything else. It's, it's widely out there. It was, it's pretty much a Canadian production. This guy got $15,000 and shot it in his parents' house and, uh, used a camera and a, an old, um, TV and a couple of lights to actually light the whole production. Um, but it was a seven day shoot, $15,000 made 2.1 million theatrically, uh, got picked up as a shutter exclusive. And then the other thing to keep in mind is this is a one hour and 40 minute movie. So it's a hundred minutes long out of that hundred minute runtime. Um, the actors in this film are only on screen for 10 minutes and 15 seconds. I was going to guess much less than that. No, it's, it's 10 minutes. And so this, you will, you will discover this if you listen to the commentary, but they do time it. And the actual amount of people you see on screen during a hundred minute movie is only 10 minutes and 15 seconds. So, um, yeah, it's, it is Canadian. It is considered a horror film. It's also considered an experimental film. So there you go. Had a lot of hype. And, uh, would, would you say it is probably, the or if not one of the most divisive films of this year would everybody agree to that oh yeah because you either yeah, love it or hate yeah. it right i mean it's a 71 percent on rotten tomatoes it's crazy to me what yeah on expired vegetables are you kidding me i mean yes. they could have paid to get it up that high but i'm just saying right now it's at now, imdb you know has it at 4.2 or something like that so depending on which source you go to divisive. it's gonna be all over the place but it's certainly divisive uh, Interesting. Yeah. So, Brad, the, the, these shows, these experiments are all about you. Mm. So I'm going to kick it over to you. But before uh, before we get into that, I, I just want to ask you a question, and then everybody else can chime in on this too. It's an experimental horror film in 2023. One of the one of the movies that come up in the commentary quite often kind of struck me as, uh, oh, that that's an interesting take on it. So. Before you share your thoughts on it, I do want to ask you this question. Is Skinnamarink the 2023 version of Eraserhead? I had thought about Eraserhead while I was watching this. Um, I think that is a huge uh, disservice to what David Lynch did. I am actually not a huge David Lynch fan. Okay. Um, I mean, I do like avant-garde cinema, but... uh, I mean, Eraserhead just never really spoke to me. I get why people, I can, someone could tell me I like Eraserhead and I can say, you know what? I respect that. I don't, but good. Someone could tell me they like Skin and Rake and I'd be, what the, I'd be like, what the fuck are you even talking about? How, how? <laughs> uh, but I did think about Eraserhead a lot because you have a lot of time to think about other things while you watch this movie and Eraserhead mm-hmm. did come to, come to mind. Okay. Um, I'm going to kick it over to, to, to Sammy and Jose. I, I wanted to start there because in listening to the commentary that comes up and it was listed as one of the inspiration pieces. Now there's other things that they talked about, but to Brad's point, I, I, I kind of had a racer head sitting in the back of my head and they clearly, I, I mean, um, even the director talks about David Lynch sending him something with an autograph, et cetera, as a result of this film. But I, I wanted to get your guys's take on this, that do you, do you think that this is the modern version of a racer head? Who wants to go first here? <laughs> Jose, do you I, want to go ahead? Go ahead. I mean, well, wait, first of all, my question to Brad is, um, okay. So if somebody says to you, I like Skinnamarink. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. That's going to that's going to give you a reaction. Think about that reaction from 1 to 10, right? Like 10 like you're fucking crazy. Absolutely yeah. fucking crazy, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. And then flashback to just a couple episodes ago where I was like, I really love labor pains. Oh boy. <laughs> what what's, what is the gauge for someone who comes up to you and says labor pains is a great movie? Um, versus Skin and is a great movie. I, well, I want to know. It's a good comparison. I, again, I like that. Yeah. Jose, I, I love you. Uh, <laughs> Labor Pains is an actual movie. It has a first act, a second act, and a third act. And there's characters and there is developments. Uh, so it's an actual movie. So I could actually see why you would like that movie. Got it. Um, so I, I, I'll start. Obviously, this is an experimental film. And when, when I... Th- I mean, when I think of experimental films, honestly, I, I think of like Blair Witch Project because it's kind of like found footage, started the whole found footage craze. It was something new that nobody had ever seen. I also think of like Lars von Trier and the dogma movement and the way that they filmed things or even just Antichrist, watching that movie. It doesn't have a traditional narrative. It's got all this weird imagery. Um, I don't. I know that this is experimental, but to me, and I said this on our, because we reviewed this on Watch Skip Plus, because right. you know it, it had all of that hype, and I, I literally thought that this was essentially establishing shots and like B roll, like of a film, and then that just that's just how they decided to tell the story is just from these off shots or transition shots, like non-traditional visual narrative. Um, Yes, that's experimental also, but I was sort of on board with it, but Brad brings up a good point. You know, in the commentary, the filmmakers talk about a script or I wrote it this way, or I wrote it that way. There's no script there. there, There's (laughs) no, what did they write? What I don't understand. And, um, and again, with the commentary, there's so the the director is so snarky. He's he all he wants to drub up are like his worst reviews of this film, and then being like, "Ha, ah, they didn't get it," or or so and so got it, and he wasn't even trying. And it's like, you know, just shut up. That's why I shut the commentary it, off. It, it it is funny. And he, I think the reason wh- he oh, I just want to before you go on, he did talk about the script, but when he would talk about the script, then something would come up, and he'd go. I don't know why this shot exists. I I just did it. Or what did we make? I don't know. I was channeling something. So for every time that they referenced the script, there was a comment that followed that, which is, I don't know why we did this. We just did it. So I, right. I was very confused in terms of, um, obviously this was not made with a traditional storyboard or anything of that nature. So um, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent on that. Um, and I think the, I think the other reason why this is so divisive is because I think for two reasons. One is obviously the the way that they filmed this and the way that it was presented. But I think the the biggest thing that is, that is divisive is the marketing around this. Um, you know, I mean, it was it was such of a viral marketing, viral kind of like this is going to be the scariest film you've ever seen, or it's going to be really really atmospheric. And it was a big disappointment because you can't really see much, you know. And the, you know, they talk about the look of the film and it was obviously all done with color grading and fooling around in post. So it's not like they did anything fun, like say Fincher did with seven by like silver flashing the negative. Okay. They just, 
filmed and then they sat in front of like a color grading thing and then decided, oh, let's do let's drive up the, you know, the the whatever, the saturation, the or film grade, vibrancy or, and, uh, you know, the lighting and yeah. all of that. And, you know, it's ridiculous. But I will say this. When I watched it a second time, knowing what to expect, I was able to maybe piece together a story or whatever might or might not be happening. And I'm certainly not going to say I liked the movie, but I think a second viewing, believe it or not, actually opened up the vision of it. I still don't think it's a great movie. I still think it's it's kind of poopy. Um, but that second viewing, knowing what to expect it actually wasn't bad. And I might have appreciated a little bit of what they were doing. Uh, okay. But That's on, a bold statement. Cotton, uh, cotton. Sorry. Um, well, I I, let me go back. So you shared your whole thoughts in the film. Let me go back to Brad real quick before Sammy comments. Um, your, your, your thoughts on this thing. Dude, I, this thing, I, it's not even fair to call this a movie. Like it's not a movie. It's a, it's an experiment and calling it an experiment. feels like a, a stretch. It's just, I don't know. It feels almost like a prank. Like someone says, Hey, can we make something <laughs> for $15,000 and see if people will just go see it? If we can get it in the theater, will people go see it? And guess what? They did. Um, yeah. This guilty. Is an old Guil- that trailer was fantastic. By the way, guilty. It's, it sold me. I, and this is an old reference, but I, I felt like Ashton Kutcher was going to come out at the end and just yell punked at everybody. And that was it. <laughs> um, that would have made the movie much better. Yeah. It, it just, there, th- there's nothing here. There's nothing here. And to the biggest battle I had with this movie was staying awake and, and, and just thinking about, they're just going to put this camera on this corner and let it sit here for a while. They're going to have this TV and they're going to have this grain. Whose point of view are we at? Like, is it, is it the one kid or is it the other kid? Do we switch up? Like, and and like someone can explain the plot to me. And I think I understand what they were going for. um, Cause somehow this movie takes place in 1995. So there's obviously some trauma that the filmmaker is digging up. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think this is probably the worst thing I've ever seen because it's not a real movie. It's not a real movie and it's a hundred minutes long. It, it's just offensive to the audience. It's like so offensive. And for like people who say they like it, I have, I have no idea what they, what they're thinking. Like I, like with the racer head, not for me, but I can definitely see why other people like it. Uh, Gaspar Noé films. I can see why people like those. I like those and I can understand why people don't here. I just, I'm completely lost. I have no, I have no idea how someone can say Skinnerink is a good movie. So there, there is something, there is something in a racer head or Gaspar Noé or, or, or those films that make it interesting where this feels like uh visual narcolepsy is what you're saying. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I was trying to think of like mad dog was like one of the last like, uh, experimental films I saw. I don't think it's an awesome movie, but it definitely is a movie and it, it definitely left something with me. I, I just think this thing is just atrocious and 
again, there's just nothing like if we're going to point a camera at this corner or we're going to do this Dutch angle and then we're going to change it to this Dutch angle and then we're going to maybe have this screensaver come on TV for a while. And uh, it just it's just it's like someone looked at the words avant garde like in like Webster's Dictionary is like, let's try to do that. But had no idea what that actually meant. Um, can I, can I just ask something? Did everybody else hear avant-garde? Avant-garde. No, no, no. It just, to me, when oh, you I said that, yeah. Oh, sorry. It, I could have been. To me, guys. That, uh, no, no, no. What it just made it funny because I imagined yeah. the director looking at that word and going avant-garde. Yeah. I want to do that. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I will tell you, I have not felt great after I watched it. I, I just have just felt so off because like I just I lost a hundred minutes of my life that I will never get back. I sacrificed a hundred minutes, dude. Here, I'm going to say this. and I sacrificed two hundred minutes. I just won't put yeah, that. I'm going to say this, and I, I mean every word of this. Yeah, I would much rather watch Love on a Leash over this one. Absolutely, it's wow. a movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a movie. All right, okay, Sammy. I, I want to start with the the eraser head context. So. It, I mean, do you see a comparison between those films or do you look at it as a modern eraser head? And then does that inform your like opinion of the film? Um, I, I, I can see moments of eraser head, but I think the difference with the racer head is you are actually getting a kind of unreliable nar- narrator or you're actually, the camera is actually a God's eye type camera. This camera here is is not that in any way, shape, or form. This is all style. Uh, don't get me wrong. Eraserhead has style, but Eraserhead also follows a story. And I think for a story to exist in cinema, it doesn't necessarily have to be narrative, but there has to be some kind of there has to be some kind of circle of some sort, movement, if you will. Yeah, there has to be some kind of start, middle, and end. It doesn't mean that it has to be resolved. But it has to have something. I think there's moments in this film rewatching it, and I had, and I struggled to get through it the first time. I struggled to get through it the second time. I joked with you all via text. I feel you like know, you I've start been, and stop like 15 yeah. times during this. Thing. Oh yeah, I've been I've been watching it all week. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it feels like. But it's it's um, there are moments. I think there's like one moment or at least a couple moments maybe where you actually see a child's face. Mm-hmm. And those moments are kind of shocking. And and really, the only moments that really kind of freak me out in the whole movie are those moments. The sound is interesting, but it's not this kind of sound of dread that Eraserhead has. Eraserhead has this overall sense of dread. This film has moments of dread. It doesn't have an overall sense of dread. And I think the reason why is because I can't really understand what is happening. Now, the director might tell me, and you know whatever. I, again, I've never directed a movie, but he might tell me. Okay, Sammy, time out. <laughs> I guarantee, I guarantee you, we give you fifteen thousand dollars in an idea. Your output would be better than this. I promise you. I know you. I know that it would be better than this. Period. It might I be a porn, it. but it would still be interesting. Yeah, I mean, there would be hardcore <laughs> fucking, but it would be better than this. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but. The, it, I, you know, again, he might say that, you know, and again, I have not heard this commentary track, so I have no idea what he said, but 
he might say he was going for this and going for that. And that's fine. That That's fine. A director can come at it and give you their thesis and what they're trying to do. But the truth of the matter is, if you don't have some type of beginning, middle, and end, I don't care how avant-garde you're going to be, you got to have some kind of circle. There's, there's got to be some kind of closure to the thing. Even Kenneth Anger and Stan Brackage had some kind of closure to their stuff, and they're big-time avant-garde filmmakers. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. Uh, I, I don't know why I'm blanking all of a sudden, but I just am. It made me it made me do some research and I thought to myself, I wonder if this director has ever suffered from insomnia. And insomnia led me down a wormhole. So I guess the film is good for something. Oh, it led it led, <laughs> it led me down a wormhole of something I want to bring up called peduncular hallucinosis. Pedunc peduncular hallucinosis. Peduncular hallucinosis. It's a rare neurological phenomenon that causes vivid visual hallucinations that typically occur in dark environments and last for several minutes. Okay. Also known as Lermet's peduncular hallucinosis, French doctor, 1922. I looked this up today because I've been thinking I need an angle because I don't have much to talk about with the movie. (laughs) And I'm a podcaster and I got to have something to talk about. But it made me start thinking about that. What is it with some people that if they sit in a dark area, that sounds start to get to them? Or what is it if, if they start, they think they see things and maybe he was trying to go for that. I don't think he's successful. I know that some people have said they see things in the darkness in this film. I looked, I looked hard and I never saw anything. I just saw a director kind of playing games and don't get me wrong. Directors play games all the time. But this just feels like adolescent kind of buffoonery in a way and not scary in the least. I I was never unnerved. Again, the only time I was unnerved is when I actually saw someone's face. I was never really unnerved with anything. I think the idea behind this film is great. Let me get that out there. Two kids wake up in the middle of the night and they can't find their dad. I'd, I'd be terrified. And there's no doors or windows. They... Yeah. There's some entity that's toying with them. Yeah, it's yeah. It, the premise. The premise is actually pretty interesting, and I, I think from an intent perspective, at least what I gather from the audio commentary and what I've read, he continues to bring up the, uh, the intent was to try and recreate a child's nightmare. So yeah, there's very nightmare logic in this film. There is, and and even something I know you guys are going to talk about this, uh, Sammy, on the Gentleman's Guide, Inferno, Dario Gento's Inferno. I think that does a much better job of nightmare logic in that you see these sequences that are trying to tell a story. I wish, I wish I was watching Inferno. (laughs) I know, Brad. It was like Inferno (laughs) is Academy Award winning compared to this one. But I, I, I do get that. uh, What he was trying to grasp is here are the things from a child's perspective of that age. When you wake up and you're in this scenario, what would scare you? Right? So at least that environment is there. Yeah. And I, I think to myself as a parent and Brad's a parent and Troy, you're a parent and Jose, I'm not trying to leave you out of this in no way, shape or form, but you got to be able to relate in some way. The, you, you, I have been woken up by my children before and they thought they heard something. They thought they saw something shadows. Yep. Yeah. And they, it's, it's the end of the world. I mean, it's terrifying for them. 
Uh, and then you do the whole, you know, and again, this is nothing unique to anybody. Anybody's probably been through this. I thought I saw stuff when I was a kid. Um, you go through these mo- notions and these motions with the stuff and these oceans and these flotions and these lotions. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I don't know what a flotion is. I'll go I, with I was like, okay, I'm just, you know, what about go for commotion? It. I think lotion is what happens when you use the lotion. All right. That's true. Um, lotion. <laughs> lotion. Um, I, I, I like the, I really do. I think there's a great germ of an idea here, but I just think there's so many failed attempts at trying to generate scares. And I just don't think the ideas are very good that he comes off with. I think, you know, I read up on him that he had done some, YouTube shorts on people's nightmares and that's how he kind of got started. And, and I will say bravo to him for getting this made and getting this out there. Um, you know, and I, I do believe that shutter and them thought they may, I mean, why not? It's a small gamble. They may have a, I mean, and ultimately they did make a lot of money off of this, right? Hey, I, I would say it paid off. I mean, when yeah, we talk about divisive, I mean, nearly- this, this does have from a critic perspective, and even from a fan basis, there are people that really love this film. There are critics that I really respect that think this is a great film. Uh, I, yeah. It's, what? it's, dude, if you go back and read some of the critical responses to it, I am kind of shocked at some of the reviews that I read, but they're, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. And I don't know what they saw. I don't know if it played into the psychosis of what they, or the neurosis of what they went through. Or if it goes into that world and maybe that's what their fears are. I mean, you know, I've heard kids of younger generations say, you know, Jaws isn't scary. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe it isn't. It scared me. Right. But maybe it isn't scary now. I don't know. Yeah. Well, maybe, make maybe them watch it and toss them into the beach. See how they feel about that. <laughs> kids these days never go outside. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> the, in, uh, the inverse may be happening where maybe I am waiting to be turned on by a scare and looking for these new types of scares and I'll get them. And, you know, you bring up Gaspar Noe and you bring up Lars Venture, people like that, at least with them, here's the difference with them. There's some type of commentary on human behavior. Those guys are making a statement. They're not just, regardless of how you feel about transgressive cinema, most transgressive cinema is making a statement about something that we do, something that we don't think we do or something that we think we are better than there's some type of arrogance. There's some type of commentary being made. Yeah. Some type of ill decision, some type of whatever, no matter how outlandish that's the point. I'm watching a very outlandish film right now uh, behind the scenes. I won't, you know, if anybody follows my Facebook, they can see. And all that matters is that you buy into the outlandishness of that transgression. And if you buy into it, you're in doesn't matter if it, it makes any sense after that. The problem here is I never bought into anything I, right from the get go. I just can't buy in. I, I can't buy into anything. I, I like the premise. I think to myself, okay, 15, 20 minutes go by. Something's got to happen. It's going to work. But two times I've watched it and 15, 20 minutes go by and I am dragging to even get anywhere near the 30 minute mark. That's not that. That's just bad filmmaking. That's not, that's not, uh, that's, I don't think that's intentional. That's just bad narrative filmmaking. And is this narrative? I, I don't think it is. I agree with Brad. I think this is, this is avant-garde. This is, um, it's experimental. I think as a 15 to 20 minute film, it probably works. 
because it seems like that's the 15 to 20 minutes I can get through. But I think anything past that, it's, it's, it's nothing more than, I'm just going to say it. It's nothing more than a novelty. Okay. Yeah. It's the Spencer's black light, uh, poster. of a movie. <laughs> it's the, it's the edible underwear of mm-hmm. cinema. Yep. The edible underwear of cinema. Wow. Okay. And now I'm just, now I'm thinking of like underwear made out of fruit roll-ups when you said that. Mm. And it, uh, yuck. Could be um, wait, I can't, I cannot wait to hear what Troy has to say, but, but far be it from me to actually defend this film. But, but Sammy is right. Th- there is some potential here. And the second rewatch that I got, I was like, okay, I get it. There's the, the dream logic when yep. we're kids Everything is so, you know, macro versus micro, right. um, you know, and, and it, it's almost as if the reason why we're looking up at ceilings and everything looks so big and haunting or whatever is because they're little tiny kids and they're yeah. lost, you know? Yeah. And and so I was starting to kind of get where they were going and then working up the grain, just like Blair Witch, you're staring into darkness and you're like, oh my God is there somebody there? Maybe there is there. No, it's furniture. Is it a person? Is it the killer? Is it the Skinner rank? So it, it kind of, it kind of works, but yeah, it's, it's like a, it's like a novelty toy, right? It's, it's okay for like one or two outings. And then it's like, we're just going to discard it, move on to the next thing. Like that matchbox your uncle gave you that you pull it down. It's a little guy and you pull it down and it's a pecker that flaps out. Oh, I did not get one of those growing up. Um, I did not get one of them, but I did get the pen that you turned upside down in the bikini. The hula disease. girl. Yeah. Okay. I've Clearly I had a different, I did. I had a different childhood. That might be why I like large launcher films <laughs> hey, as much as I do. Can I, can I read a couple of reviews here? So <laughs> it, it is amazing. This is variety. Okay. So variety wrote, um, Owen Gleiberman. I found skin. Yeah. yeah. I found skin and terrifying, but it's a film that asks for and rewards patience and can therefore invite revolt. Yet, if you go with it, you may feel that you've touched the uncanny. And then Michael um, Gingold or Jingold from Rue Morgue praised the film's shot compositions and sound design and says, now this is from his review, takes you back to being a little kid lying in bed in the middle of the night listening to strange noises coming from elsewhere in the house and wondering what their frightful sources may be. So those are some of the top reviews, right? Yeah, yeah, Michael Gingold used to write for Fangoria and was editor in chief over there. For oh, a that's long. why I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm a huge fan of his. So he's um, one of my. He's one of the ones I respect a lot. Yeah, and and it's crazy. You have some very articulate, um, what I think are are brainy critics who really like this film, and then the you've got other ones who call it um, a little undeserving of its newly acquired cult status. Uh, and lacking enough ideas to stretch beyond a 10 minute short by the end, I was bored more than frightened. And that's from the guardian. So it, it definitely runs the gambit of people. And at the end of the day, even for those who hate it, people will come and still say, okay, there is a sequence in there that I thought was kind of creepy. Creepy is the word I hear a lot, even of people who are descent from the film they may say, well, the whole child looking under the bed, the mom sitting at the end of the bed, that was creepy. Um, or the child that doesn't have the eyes or, or uh, had the eyes covered oh. up or the mouth, that's mm-hmm. creepy. But universally. Um, I, human I, face, though. A human face is creepy. Yeah, it is. 
corner uh, of your house might be creepy a little bit, yeah. but it's not creepy for two minutes. That's, that's true. They do linger <laughs> on that. It is no, uh, if, for anybody that is even remotely in my circle of friends or acquaintances, it became very obvious when I saw this thing in the theater, which I, the whole family was excited when they saw the trailer and Cameron even took one of his friends, Dylan. You take, um, you keep taking your family to these movies. I know, but I'm like, <laughs> I want to see skin of a rink. They look at it. They go, Oh, that looks really good. So we do a whole family like on a Friday night. And, and a funny story about this is during the, the middle of the film, the, the movie theater is not like sold out, but it's kind of packed. And right in the middle of it, um, I'm sitting next to Cameron's friend and uh, he, the popcorn drops because we're all sharing this popcorn. I look over and he fell asleep. <laughs> oh, okay. Popcorn drops. Oh, I, I, was yeah. making, I, was, Dylan, I was making sure that wasn't a metaphor. No, 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 no. The, but, but what's funny is when the lights come up, every, everybody in the theater is looking at each other like, what the fuck was that? Like the, yeah, in right. that showing, there is not visibly one person who went, oh my gosh, that, that oh, movie. Bravo, bravo. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> had pretty much was just like, uh, what, what is going on? So, um, yeah. It, the popcorn dropped. <laughs> the popcorn dropped. I think that was the scariest thing of our viewing. That um, would have scared me. I got to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. $7 down the drain. I know. Yeah. But so I gotta be honest movie? with you. Here's here's a good, here's what else I gotta be honest with you with though. It says that a sneeze or a fart would have terrified me <laughs> during this film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It it doesn't have jump scares. There's there might be one or two jump scares with a loud noise or something that has to do with the like phone. Two. Yeah, yeah. like two, and they're and they're jump edits. Too. Oh yeah, that's true. And that's that's not earned in my opinion that that's just again it just feels like a trick it feels like a novelty it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's earned yeah if I mean, if i i agree and it, and if i were i mean i hated this i hate hate <laughs> this film hate it um mm. and and when i saw it if i were explaining to somebody and go okay it is an hour and 40 minute film of that runtime you will see somebody on screen for 10 minutes and 15 seconds and then somebody goes, well, what, what is the rest of the movie? Oh, okay. Well, listen, you're going to get shots of light fixtures, doors, walls, corners, actually lots of ceiling corners, um, Legos, <laughs> lamps, public domain cartoons, carpet, feet. You would have thought <laughs> Quentin Tarantino directed this thing. Um, hey, man, let me see those feet, man. Yeah, wall outlets. Um, it's kids' feet, though. we got to take a time out on that. It's uh, kids' feet. That's true. Yikes. I don't know what he's oh, into, um, but okay. Nice. So that that's what you're watching for the rest of the time period, right? So yeah. um, now, if if I said, I think it is the Seinfeld of horror movies. It <laughs> it is a horror movie about nothing. And no. what, you besmirch Seinfeld like that, you no. Take that now back. listen, what. They even bring up Seinfeld a couple of times during the audio commentary. They, they are big of fans. Of course they do. When I hear that, I go, oh, I, I see what you're doing here. You are mm. making a nightmare. You are you are trying to make it in the sense of. Well, that's with all these corners. Yeah. The, the, the dream logic, right? <laughs> um, and the, the protagonist 
of your story is the house. That's uh, mm. yeah, that that's what it is. It's not the people in it. It it's the house that is the protagonist. No, it's the camera. Well, I I would I would buy that too. I I would say you could either take the house, you could take the camera. It's not the kids, right? I, it's not the father, it, it's the mother. For me, if it was the house, it would be a movie. The fact that it's the camera makes it want to be a movie. I, I don't know if I can explain that, uh, but that's the way my, go ahead, Brad. What point of view is the camera? That's what I'm saying. There, there is no Skin point. Rink. It's no. <laughs> but at, at one point in time, it's the girl and another time it's the kid. It's Kevin. It like it switches. Yeah. There's no lot. I, I, I think like, it is. I think it is that dream logic. Look, but like in a dream, you're a person in the dream, like not necessarily around you. Sometimes you guys, do you guys dream? This is a big question. Do yeah. you guys dream and see yourself as a separate person in your dreams? I have sometimes yeah. you could be like Absolutely. out of body dream. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's fucked up. I've never done that. <laughs> no, it is, every, it's a little everything. Weird. Everything's like call of duty for me, man. It's like first person. No, oh. I've, I've had, I've had weird dreams where it felt out of body almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so weird, man. We, but we th- probably need, that's where we I'm need going to- with this. So here, let me put it this way: my first viewing of this, I absolutely hate this film. I think it's the worst thing that has ever been made. To sit down, and I'll yeah. talk about the audio commentary for a minute. To sit down and watch this by myself, without having the ability to turn to somebody and go, "What the what the fuck's going on? <laughs> like, what is going?" But okay, it's like fine. I'm going to take everything at face value and what am I actually watching? I've come to this conclusion. Skinema rink is probably one of the most important films made in 2023. Oh God, here we go. No. Now listen, only because you ready for my scary fart. (laughs) It, it is the type of cinema now, I don't think it does it successfully. Let me let me caveat this. I do not think it does it successfully, but it is an attempt at a different type of narrative, a different type of movie-going experience. Okay. And it is something that I think is sorely lacking in today's cinema-going experience. Okay, okay, okay. I still think it's a piece of shit. <laughs> But <laughs> I love the fact that you can sit down uh, across somebody and they can sit there and go, look, if you look at the house this way, if you look at what the skin of a rink is or, and, or, you know, it, it scared me in this fashion because of what it was doing from the dark, et cetera, I would go, uh, all right, but it's not conforming to the typical tradition of what I'm expecting from a film and it even breaks. So every, that whole Eraserhead comparison, why start there? I'm like, you can't compare this to Eraserhead. Eraserhead feels like art, where this feels like it's just challenging the status quo. But it doesn't It doesn't go into that artistic um, realm. It tries, but I don't think it gets there. I think, I think this movie should be either 30 minutes long or eight hours long that just plays on a loop and should just be some art like piece no i think i think i think it should be 100 minutes long 
and it no, is I a think test it be of like endurance. Eight hours long. It'd nope. just be like this. No, yeah, I, it should be ten minutes long, and it should be on YouTube. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> if so. Here's the thing: if you were looking for the best way to do this story or these visuals, yes, it belongs as a short. Watch it at one and a half speed. Yeah, but the the fact <laughs> that this exists as that. a hundred minute film that played in the theaters. I would go, okay, this is one of the most important things to happen in 2023. Like, where are the rest of these? Okay, I so part of me agrees with you, and then part of me thinks about the 60 frames per second failure, and then part of me thinks about a few other things that have failed with movies, and those are all important things. Yes. And they've all died. And I don't know. I'm sure this will influence somebody who will take it and run with it, and we'll be like, remember Skinnamarink? And I'm sure that will happen. It's bound to happen. A lot of people saw this. I agree. I, I think somebody's going to look at this and go, this movie scared the crap out of me. Yeah. And they're going to do a better version of it. Let's let's put that out there. A way better version. Um, But to me, this is that this is the film where it's like, look, a, a, I don't know if it's generational, whatever it is. I love Eraserhead. I do not like at all Skinnamarink. I appreciate what each film is doing. And I think Eraserhead does it so much better. I do, however, really think Skinner, like this is, this is kind of, we, we need more Gaspar noise. We, we need more of that type of cinema to combat the franchises and everything else out there. So I'm, I'm kind of sitting here going, I'm sort of, excited that $15,000 turned into 2 million because that's, what's going to keep that theater going experience alive. Okay. Okay. Now, now you're speaking to my sensibilities here. I like all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great, but it's, it's not this movie. It's not this movie. This movie can't be the vanguard for that movement. <laughs> I, I'm, I disagree. Well, I think I, you know what, I kind of, I have to say, I kind of, I kind of agree. I kind of agree with uh, <laughs> with Troy's. Um, I, I think what Troy is saying is that he appreciated the swing, um, and but not only that, the the challenging of filmmaking norms by by doing this. yes. But you know, I think what he's trying to say is that also that they did it, but they didn't quite hit it out of the park. Right. Not, so not there was quite. a swing. It's a, it out yeah, it. it's a swing like in you you end up on some ESPN Sports Center like, oh, look at this idiot trying to swing a bat. Like that's yeah. that's the level of competency. But two things can exist and still be right. This thing can still yeah, be okay. a piece of shit, but this thing can still be that sort of um avant-garde film that is is sorely missing from a, a movie going experience. So I agree with you. So, it, it can be terrible and yet influential. Yes. I agree with that. But here's the problem. There's a lot of people out there taking these same swings and making a hell of a lot better films. Yeah. Yeah, this one got lucky. Yeah. Well, I, I think this played in the horror genre. And I think this one was a just got to the right audience at the right time. I mean, we we know someone, Troy. Michael is a good friend of ours who yeah. makes films. I've seen him make a movie. It couldn't have cost more than $15,000, and it was a hundred times better than this. 
Now, again, it didn't do this. And like, I, I get what you're saying about this maybe being a catalyst for, for sort of like an anti-movie movie in a way. Right. And, and it feels very fitting in 2022 slash 2023 that this is, is a film because it almost feels like trolling the film in a way because it's like every thing you think about when you think about a film, it doesn't do. And I think that's on purpose. So it almost feels like it's a troll to the audience, which is very fitting uh, in 2023. Um, I, I just like, I have a hard time. I see what you're saying. I have a hard time championing this film because I think it's just terrible. Yeah. But again, like your baseball analogy, I've seen a goddamn polar bear play baseball. And, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, I want to see uh, a team of polar bears play the, uh, the Houston Astros. Or no, whatever, I, so. I think, you know what? That makes the most sense is you would watch that incident play out and you go, well, that's interesting, but I don't want to watch three hours of that. Um, I, I think, I don't know. I mean, I, I would be lying if I didn't say that there were a couple of sequences watching this by myself that I was like, Ooh, you almost got me. I, I was almost in that dream. Like, yeah, this is kind of creepy nightmarish. And I respect that artistic style and visual. And it happened throughout the film, but it never, I, I think my biggest problem is, let's take the analogy and I'm, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but let's take the analogy for a second that the house is the protagonist, like the things or the environment is the protagonist, not the people in it. The problem with that then is I don't have a personal connection um, to the environment at that point. And I'm, I, it's hard for me to be scared because I'm not a house and I'm not a thing. I'm not a lamp, right? I'm not, I'm not the corner of a ceiling. So if I'm not those things, how do, how do I relate to what's going on in that environment? And to your point, the, the point of view of the camera seems inconsistent. Like who, who am I supposed to be in this scene? Right. And maybe that works if you're trying to create a nightmare reality or, or a dreamlike reality. I totally get that. So I appreciate the style and I actually appreciate, um, and this may sound weird, I appreciate some of the geometry that occurs within the shots and how the lighting occurs from the TV. I actually think that's kind of interesting. It's not five minutes interesting. It's a, oh, it's a cool shot, move on, right? Um, but that's my biggest disconnect is I don't know how to be scared if that is the protagonist because it's not relatable to me. And I find nothing relatable within the film but I, mm. I understand or can appreciate the substance in the film. However, I still don't like the film, but yet son of a gun, if it's not one of the better things to come out of 2023, in my opinion, um, to kind of challenge the status quo. Yeah, but I'll say this. Kyle Edward Ball is not, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this guy, Shane Kareth. Do you know who he is? Yeah, I always thought extreme color oh, primer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so he's an experimental filmmaker. Yes. He does some wacky stuff, and he's um, a better filmmaker too. Let's yeah, a much better filmmaker. People don't talk about him, uh, although he's made some great films. 
I do not see Edward Kyle Edward Ball becoming the next Shane Carey. No, I I yeah, think nice try. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I I would be really curious what the next yeah, movie. Yeah, because wasn't Primer made for what like five or seven thousand dollars? Yeah, or it was super like cheap. That? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah, and I think Primer. I think upstream upstream color was almost the same way too. But yeah, like, like you know, just infinitely better than this film. I agree. Weird, bizarre experimental film. I, I would not be surprised if the next film that this guy makes doesn't go anywhere. And everybody's like, oh, well, you were <laughs> skin of a rink was a fluke. Sorry about that. Right. But I love the fact that this little film managed to kind of uh, pivot and make its way into a movie theater complex and, and become sort of a water cooler topic for horror fans and just divide everybody down the middle. And I'm like, good. That should tell you something about the audience. That Yeah, but Halloween Ends did the same thing. I, I agree. And look, I, I would say th- at the end of the day, I would say the same thing. Like, fuck David Gordon Green. I agree with that statement 100%. <laughs> However, I would also I say, say. I didn't say that. that I know. For the record, I didn't say those words. I, I'm saying it. Like, after Exorcist Believer. Like, Jose, your Ooh. episode was way too kind on that film. Um, I, I was trying to be professional. Yeah, I forget that. Like sometimes you just gotta let it go. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, the the best thing that could have happened is Jose bought us that Halloween ends book, and I'm reading it, and I'm like, you know, I kind of understand what they're trying to do in the film now, and I kind of like that concept. I just, I just think it's still a shitty film. Yeah, but like but I can't. I, I but can't, it's a movie. Yeah, but I can't like paint a, I can't like color a picture blue and then everyone see, oh, that's a blue picture. And it's like, well, no, you're not looking at it right. It's actually red. Oh, yes, you can. In the art world, you can, right? Yeah. Okay, Troy. Yes. Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe you can. And yeah. I, maybe, I, maybe I see what your angle is here, but, and, and I'm all for audacity and trying something different and breaking the mold. Definitely. I'm all for that. Um, I just don't think this is the piece that's going to do it. What happens to the toilet in this movie? I don't know. That was probably the scariest it went thing. To yeah. Skinnamarink land heaven. <laughs> when you take the toilet like, out of a house and you take also the windows and the doors, I get panicky. Okay. Well, and it was like 500 days. These kids were very, I don't know. These kids were too quiet. Too quiet. <laughs> they were shitting in the Lego bucket, is what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. makes some Legos a little bit more difficult to put together. I'll tell but, you that. You know, it. But hey, the, conceptually, there's some gruesome things here where you go, "Oh, a kid had It'd to just like be nice to actually see it." Maybe I, I don't know. I, I agree. I agree. This this is where again, I, I don't, don't think it's scary. I don't even I don't even know if you need to see it. I just need you to build up to it mm-hmm. in a better way. I. I don't disagree with that at all. What what I'm yeah. saying is if you were to look at it from the standpoint of a kid like put like, uh, I, I don't know, t- goes in the kitchen and stabs his eye and then all of a sudden you see trickles of blood, et cetera, and you hear the sound and you hear him crying in the background because some entity or whatever is like, look, you got to like uh, take your eyeball out of your head and then you hear him crying. Like those are that's one of the scenes that kind of got to me this time around. Where I'm like, yeah. oh man, that that crying, not not the things that led up to the act, it was the after effect, got to me a little bit. But I can't it, even get my kid to pick up his shoes. How am I going to get him to pick, like stab his own eye? 
Well, you got to you got to make sure that his sister um, loses her mouth and her eyes, and he sees that. So, okay, yeah. maybe maybe this is you know uh, beholden to me. Maybe it's the fact that I can't watch it as one whole piece. Maybe that's maybe that's falling on the that on the watcher. I, I got I got to be honest. That does help. Like you you have to commit to the experience. If you chop it up, the the movie does not um, have any chance of bringing you into its world. Yeah, but this the problem is I'm not interested enough to commit to the experience. I totally get that. Totally yep. understand that. Um, but but I'll say this: walking out of that that experience of watching it again, I'm like, son of a bitch! I really thought I would just freaking hate this movie more. Now I, I'm going to add something. There is something about it that makes me just really hate it more. But it's not the film; it's the uh, audio commentary. Um, uh, the guy sounds like a pretentious asshole. Well, I wrote some stuff down. So that in Jose, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Before you do that, could I just say the two films I've seen the last? I saw Killers of the Flower Moon, and then I saw Skinnerberg. Can I tell you <laughs> just the difference? Those two, like, there probably could not be a bigger gap in film than Killers of the Flower Moon, and literally forty-eight hours later, watching Skinnerberg. And here's what I'll say about that: Killers of the Flower Moon, not breaking the mold, and yet somehow breaking the mold. Yeah. Of everything Troy's yeah. saying, and I still don't feel like Skinner Rink. I don't feel like it's a fart worthy of Martin Scorsese's left eyebrow. Well, of course, Whoa. I. It's Martin <laughs> Scorsese. Uh, you you could look. You could take Martin Scorsese's farts and turn him into an award winning podcast. It's Martin Scorsese. Sure, um, that would be good. yeah. Scorsese okay, Troy. Commentary. Commentary. Here's some of the things that you would hear watching the commentary. All right. This kind of shot of the corner, uh, this this one of the corner, uh, that's my favorite. Um, so oh, so good, so good, oh, so good. The, I, the DP is like, yeah. oh, the best man. That corner shot. Are they I can't jerking believe you got off that. while they're talking about this? I, I think they are. Uh, they may very well have been. Yeah, here's another one. You know, some people just say it's a it's a shot of ceilings. I don't know what to tell you. Seventy percent of the people love this film. That's that's an actual quote. Do you check IMDb yep. right before you record? He does. It was 71%. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I, I don't understand why such, such and such wrote this. And then there was this video on TikTok and, you know, they just didn't get it. They're, they're just stupid. But really, I think we knocked it out of the scene when we shot this uh, ceiling corner shot over here with the TV lighting. That That's how they would talk. Um, I don't know why this shot exists. I just did it. Heard that a lot. Um, there's a I couple, thought that, I thought that a lot. Yeah. There's some Seinfeld references, which made me think, Oh, well, they're going for this. Like, um, no, no, no. it's a horror movie about yeah, nothing. I want to go back. I want to circle back to that. Seinfeld was a show about nothing, but it was also about everything. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Right. I agree. Um, and then, there, like, did I miss pretzels or something in this movie that I missed? <laughs> like, uh, they, they do talk about a racer head being the inspiration. Um, and then I, I love this quote. What did we make? I don't know. I was just channeling something. I mean, in the way he says it is so pretentious. Oh my God. And um, I don't I know if you need more. I hate I have, it. Yeah. I have a channel too. It's called my ass crack. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's the other thing. Um, I, I think Jose and I were joking about this. Um, I, I think, I'm not sure, but I think the director has a boyfriend. Um, you, you know why? Because he mentions, Oh, I have a boyfriend every fucking 10 minutes of the commentary. Okay. So this one made my boyfriend jump. 
Yeah. Um, when I showed this to my boyfriend, he was like, oh, I get what you're going for. My boyfriend saw the screen. Jose, get, get your boy. Okay, get <laughs> you your boy. <laughs> yeah. I, no, we don't want him. We don't want him. I'm like, here's the, here's the problem. Fuck him. Here's the problem. His boyfriend liked it. Yeah. That's why this fucking thing got made. I'm sure it did. Probably. I, I blame the boyfriend. Oh, and and then the <laughs> worst man of a boyfriend. So this 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 happens like every ten or fifteen minutes. Oh, there's that orange Lego divider again. Oh, ha, ha, ha. it's like haunting us. And so every time they would show the Lego, they would point out where the orange thing was. I think those. Oh, I think the orange, there it is. There yeah. it is. I think yeah. those orange Lego dividers are not as old as 1995. No, they. It's. I'm pretty sure you are correct. And there's another. So there's another thing they also harp on, which is like, oh, that jersey wasn't released until 96, if you all want to point it out like everybody else did on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and then he was like, we had to grain out the kitchen because it doesn't look like a 1995 kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. So, And here's all you need to know. This is the quote that I remember the most where he says, when we sold this internationally, they wanted me to take out the subtitles that were actually in the film. Um, I'm sorry. That's kind of what he sounds like. I, I feel um, terrible now. Okay, he, I guess, he, I guess he sounds exactly like that. that. We're, we're I not. feel like an asshole. Very By the exactly. way, I'm gay if you haven't been listening. Um, <laughs> what? But he says, <laughs> what? But he, says, <laughs> he says, when I sold, when I sold this internationally, <laughs> when I sold this internationally, they wanted me to remove the embedded subtitles so that they could, you know, say whatever they wanted in their language or whatever. And I thought, okay, whatever. I got paid already. Yeah. That's all you need to know. That's that. his commentary. Yeah. That's your, that's your, this is a catalyst uh, for the next movement of film, Troy. This is your champion. Look, that's, <laughs> look, that's Mo a problem. <laughs> we, we would all agree. We, we have said this time and time again. Sometimes it's not the people behind the camera, but it's the film itself that make the impact, right? So yeah, yeah, he's he's made an impact. All right. Yeah. So I I do not. Have you ever I, heard the term? I know I said pendacular hyalocinosis or whatever earlier. <laughs> How about impacted stool? Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, no, that's the com the commentary to is to this hands down. I will say this with confidence. Hands down, this is the worst audio commentary I have ever sat through. Ever since the art form of audio commentary has been invented. He needed a drunken Ben Affleck to be in there with him. This would not have saved it at all. No, it, it is the, hands you know, down the worst audio this, commentary ever. You know how there's commentaries? Up, oh, go ahead. I was going to say this will end up making me buy it because I love commentary tracks. No, you will not like this. I like it too. I bought the damn thing and I didn't even finish it. But you know how there's commentaries where people are like, and here you go. Here's the main character. He's coming in. This is a very dramatic scene. Those commentaries are much better than he would do this thing where he would he would say the line um, before it would happen, and then he's like, "Yeah, that line was different. In, it was different in the script." He would say yeah, the line and go, "That yeah. the line was oh, different." Oh, good because the there was like script, seven in lines script. in the script. Good. I oh, I know. Think, right. I often think of I can't remember the director, one of the commercial directors that Michael Bay hired. I think it was Simon West, maybe the general's daughter. You remember yeah. that? Oh, John yeah. Film. There yeah. was an audio commentary on that disc. I had it. I got rid of it. And uh, it was a DVD. And it was the first time I realized he wrote the whole commentary. So he just read it as oh. he was watching the film. Wow. And I wish I would have kept it for that reason. Maybe I'll rebuy it. You know, it I think I still have that. Yeah, I have my copy. Now I need to go back and listen but at to least that he, again. At least he prepared himself versus, versus them 
just oh god i want to say simon west has a really good commentary on con air but i can't remember he might have read that one too though I, I i don't i don't know but there are people who don't do commentaries well there are people who choose not to do them because they think it gives away secrets and whatnot uh some of the big ones brian de palma steven spielberg um poo poo they need to do commentaries yeah i mean Fincher i love it. his who fincher yeah, Fincher Fincher loves to talk about his films. Mm-hmm. So he's not I mean, he's, but it's just he's also it's just, super I mean, technical though. You can yeah. get lost in a Fincher commentary. I the, the best thing for this film, if they had never put any special features, any commentary, and just go, here's the movie, and keep the director far away from talking about it and go, look, you make out of this film whatever you want it to be, it is whatever you want it to be. Because it it is a stylistic experiment of film. You can argue Maybe. does it have a story or whatnot, but the commentary actually demystifies everything about this film. It doesn't really tell you anything of what's going on. But when you when you understand the people behind the camera and you hear them talk about their film, you're like, oh my God, I really hate that. I hate this thing even more. I appreciate Maybe. the impact it had on on cinema this year, but I, I absolutely hate that director and I hate this film. Let's do a commentary about our podcast. But I don't, I don't, I, I think the most impactful talk about how I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about this all we want, but I think the two most impactful films this year, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm tying box office, but Oppenheimer is clearly one of the most impactful films of the year. Barbie and Oppenheimer. Yeah. I, I'm, not I real, yeah. I'm not really excited about Barbie being impactful though. Cause I'm afraid it's going to lead to, I mean, well, Hollywood's going to get the wrong. They're going to misread that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's her yeah. name is. What's her name? That Alina Dunham's making a Polly Pocket film. So I mean, there there's issues there. Okay, yeah. there's issues. What? There. And I and I get it. What's going to happen is you lost me at Leah Dunham. So, <laughs> so you, you're gonna you're gonna you know you're gonna put some kind of uh, modern spin on it more than likely. And I get it. I get I get what they're going to do. But I don't know. I don't know what is that healthy? Is that is that the future of filmmaking? I hope not. I hope it's not take a brand put a message in it because that just, that just makes it empty. Ultimately that just turns the whole thing empty again. Yeah. I, I, I will say this, like the thing that I do appreciate about this film is story, not story, et cetera. It is trying to test the, the visual medium in and of itself and where, where films probably, and, and I'm not trying to get um, sociopolitical or anything of that nature, I, I do think we live in a time where, you know, um, environmental social scores, ESG scores, stuff like that, because these are companies are, are very important to some of these things. And it's like, yeah, we, we can deliver a good message. We can deliver a positive message. We can be all inclusive and all those other things, but you really got to concentrate on that story, which is where I think Barbie got it right. Um, I think open Oppenheimer, I haven't seen, you know, flowers yet. But um, I like these films who go, hey, uh, here's a here's a great story. It's a lot of fun. And here's some amazing messaging into it. Brad and I had a chance to talk about The Last Dragon on the VHS Files podcast. And to me, I don't Ooh. I don't think people talk about that film enough in that it it really subverts every culture and what you expect out of that culture. And it's and it's really smart in how it does it, but its main focus is is being a fun, I'm going to kick people in the face film. It just happens to take all these stereotypes and turn it on its head. And, and you recognize that. 
and it all works together and it gels together because it it doesn't it doesn't say oh we're only making this film because of the messaging it says we're making a film because of a story but we're going to also put a message in there too it's secondary or tertiary to it that's all good and well troy but we've done 10 films oh i have a list of 10 <laughs> i'm curious where this one yes. really <clears throat> yeah and these are the you could say that the ones early are the ones i like the most the last one is the one that broke me the most and here they go okay number 10 for your height only number time number nine the ginger dead number man who number eight laquisha number seven bc butcher <laughs> it amazes me that that wow. movie is so high I know. I know. It's, wow. a climb, it's a climber it is yeah Six, thrower. the apple five so i have seen four worse movies than from justin to kelly <laughs> This was a terrible idea. Number four, Labor Pains. Number three, <laughs> Dracula 3D. Ooh. Number two, Love on a Leash. And the brand new number one, Skin Marink. Whoa. I would rather watch Love on a Leash because it's a goddamn movie. It's a I real would, movie. Yeah, I would rather watch it too. Even without the and soundtrack, thought, huh? Huh? Even without the soundtrack. Even without the soundtrack. Huh. I Amazing. can whistle. You can whistle. All right. <laughs> well, I, you know what? You know what? The, the soundtrack, not having a soundtrack is better than Troy. A bunch of static. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yep. Shot of the shot of the corner. <sighs> so Troy, oh, here's, here's, this is the most shocking comment from the commentary. Are you ready? I don't, I don't know if I can handle it. They're like, we shot it in seven days. I think Blair, Witch did more than that, but Man, this was so hard to edit. Yeah. Fuck off, motherfucker. <laughs> wow. I'm the commentary uh, just is terrible. It's so terrible. This movie's hey, terrible. Do, we ever get, do you ever, do we ever, we, I don't think we ever got the banner on the video, on the Blu-ray that says the commentary doesn't reflect the whatever. Oh, I thought it was at the beginning. I thought it was at the beginning. Was it at the beginning? Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe There's I missed a lot of it, but like. He was talking about the he was talking about that reviewer that he hated and then he named the person. Yeah. And I'm like, clearly nobody listened to this before it was released. Yeah. You have to wonder yeah. that sometimes. And I, a lawyer. Yeah. I'll never I'll never know because I'll never own this. Oh. I never will. Uh, sure. I have my copy. I, I did I did get my Monsters Blu-ray this week. Oh, see, I love that film too. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Brad. Yes. So do do I want to ask? Do I want to ask? Yes, you do. What's next? We only have two left. So, so what is what is November? I, November? I am telling you guys, you st- we can stop. We're, we are we are We're almost in done. In it to win it, man. Yeah, Films. that's right. All right. Well, uh, Skinner Marink was our Halloween pick. We're we're getting into the last part of this where I tried to pick things that were thematic to either the month that was coming up or the holiday. So November. Is, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't know where it ranks in terms of holidays, but Thanksgiving is probably my favorite. Absolutely, it's up there. yeah. I mean, it it is that time where uh, it's not about the presents, it's not about the candy, anything else. It is about some amazing food. But um, yeah, I'm so old now. National Donut Day gives me excited. So it it does, and and I still love Batman Day. Um, 
but yeah, I, I had to, I had to pick something that was, uh, Thanksgiving Best related, it? right? Oh boy. Oh boy. Food centric. No, thanks. Um, I, I guess if I were, if I were looking at this box set black Friday on, on the cover, it, it says gobble, gobble motherfucker. So yeah, we are going to watch thanks killing three. Thanks killing three. Yeah. All right. So I, I, I am a fan of thanks killing. Yeah. This is the third one. Oh, okay. I have not seen the second or the third one. Now I have a reason to watch the second one. Well, so if you buy the box set, this is kind I'm of interesting. I'm not going to. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. The box set comes with two movies. It comes with thanks killing and thanks killing three. If you look on the back, it says warning, and I'll read this to you. We apologize for any inconvenience, but Thanksgiving 2 will not appear in this box set. Unfortunately, every last copy was destroyed, except for one. We hope you enjoy Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving 3. What? Yeah, I don't know. That's it's right there on the box set. Sounds like my best um, before we started recording. Uh. <laughs> Okay, I'm reading the summary on IMDb. Uh-huh. This isn't a trauma film, is it? I am ready. I oh, cannot I, wait. It's not a. I would say the first Thanksgiving is not a. Tra- it's not a trauma film, but it feels like a film made by guys who watched a lot of trauma films. Yeah, I don't. That um, might be even worse. Ryan McLeod of Ain't It Cool News says Whoa. the raunchiest. That's still going. Oh, the raunchiest puppet movie ever made. This is a puppet movie. Yeah, it's a puppet. I mean, the killer is a turkey. It's a it's a killer turkey puppet with a chainsaw. Have you guys never seen the first one? No, no, I have not, and now I need to. You do because the first one's amazing. It's amazingly bad, but it's amazing. It has one of the greatest opening shots ever. Oh, I won't tell uh, you what it is because. uh, Oh man, I want to tell you what it is. Oh, here you go. In the first movie ever, (laughs) let me read the back of this. In the first movie ever to skip its own sequel, this puppet-fueled follow-up to the holiday-themed cult favorite Thanksgiving, thanks, sorry, Thanksgiving, follows foul-mouthed villain Turkey, and it's spelled T-U-R-K-I-E, on a yeah, ruthless a- hunt for the last copy of Thanksgiving 2. Okay, so this is all oh, a marketing it's a meta thing. Yeah, funded uh, through a successful Kickstarter campaign. The M-word. Yeah, and featuring a killer electronic see what they did there killer electronic soundtrack from zane effendi there we go Who? i don't know zane effendi i look I'm, just, I'm, I'm discovering like, these things at the same time you guys are but yeah next oh it's on 2b both of them are yes Sweet. i believe so all right i would advise, i seriously i advise you guys to watch both i will i've got the box set I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna not, watch Thanksgiving. I wish, I wish we were all in the same room for for at least one of these. I I, I wish I was there. There's a woman a woman in the first movie. Her name is Wanda Lust. What kind of movie is this? Ooh. Uh, I know more about Wanda Lust than probably any of the four of us. Listen, if you're doing research and you're trying to find Thanksgiving themed <laughs> films that are gonna break Brad, the list is pretty short, buddy. So Thanksgiving yeah. three is where we landed. Um, home for the holidays or something. Yeah, they, I don't. I don't think that would break Brad. Um, but yeah, thanks. No, thanks, Killing Three. Uh, uh, you okay oh with that, Brad? Boy. 
Wanda Lust has uh, she started a movie called Busted Nut Six. <laughs> yeah, oh, Busted Nut Five. Yeah, Girl check Swirl. The- <laughs> Girl <laughs> Swirl is what. Check, check the commentary track. She may hear a familiar voice. Milf mm. does a brother good. <laughs> <laughs> Bill uh, does a brother. This is uh, this is um, hello. My name is my name is Hammy from the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Turkeys. Uh, not to be related with Sammy from the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. I'm here for busting a six. So what I was going for with this film? <laughs> Cock smoking grannies. Wow, that movie's called Cock smoking grannies. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just here. gonna I'm just gonna tell you that I am familiar with her work. <laughs> oh boy. Well. Well, we're going to rely on you then to uh, critique her acting within Thanksgiving three. Well, in air quotes, acting. She's uh, (laughs) she's unforgettable in Thanksgiving one. I'll tell you that she's she star she plays naked pilgrim. Oh, Oh, so is this historically accurate in terms of the telling of the movie? Is this? Oh, it'll be well. I'm I'm watching more like Plymouth Cock. I'm just going to tell you right now. It's the kind of movie. It. (laughs) Oh my god! I can't. It's, it's the kind of movie where a turkey wields a knife. Yeah. That's the kind of movie this is. I think Brad Amazing. wins, though, for that. <laughs> um, you're welcome. Jose, Lester, you're welcome. What's going on at Watch Skip? What did you guys skip a week? What the hell? What's going on with Watch we Skip? Did, Plus? We, so we did, we did skip a week. There's um, a reason, and, though. And There's a reason. There is a reason. Um, Justin went to the 24 hour. Uh, horrorthon at the Colonial Theater. Oh. Horrorthon, um, horrorthon, horror, <laughs> horror nuts. Because we're horror nuts over here. Um, and I went to bust so, a nut fest. <laughs> <laughs> a nut too. Uh, electric boogaloo. Um, electric. So I think too. I think this is the order that we're doing it. Um, we're going to review. Killers of the Flower Moon. That'll okay. be our next episode. And then after that, it'll be Five Nights at Freddy, which is interesting because it's a PG-13 horror film that is going day and date on Peacock as well as in theaters. Uh, I think at the end it's of the a video game. This uh, and Five Nights at Freddy's might have some legs. A lot of kids grew yeah. up with that. Apparently, it's terrible. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's what I heard too. Well, it doesn't have Nicolas Cage playing pinball, so I'm not interested. Um, well, I'm not nor interested. does it have Martin Scorsese's farts. So true. true. It does have Josh Hutchinson in it, though. Yeah. Oh yes. And he eats White Castle, so trust me, he farts. <laughs> the, uh, I, I guarantee. I, I will bet. I bet this month movie will make its budget back easily. Oh sure, sure. Probably. Absolutely. Probably. Um, also, I'm, all hail I'm, the Hutch. I love that man. I'm kind of scared how big a hit it might be because Troy will claim it's a vanguard for cinema. Come next to Breaking Bread episode, dude. Uh, no, that no, no. Maybe I don't. It'll you know, I got to. I got to sure. see it first. I have to see it first. Um, it'll it's going to be on. Pe- sure. It's, it's going to be on Peacock. So I'm going to at least watch ten minutes of it. Well, can can we talk about some epic cinema uh, and and maybe have you discuss what's going on at the Gentleman's Guide? Because you reviewed one of my uh, favorite films of all time just recently. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know when this goes out, but uh, as we record this, we just did Vampire, yeah. Carl Dreyer's, Carl Theodore Dreyer's Vampire from 1932. Amazing movie. If you have if you have not seen but, this yeah. film, you have to watch this film. Yeah, you Good. have to. Yeah, 
It, it is actually. Are true. we all? Are we all Nosferatu then vampire or? Yes. Do some people love vamp. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, okay. I, I, I like vampire a lot, but Nosferatu's still Nosferatu. Ah. Then switch gears and headed back over to Italy, our favorite place to play, and uh, checked out Dario Argento's Inferno, which legendary, legendary director, legendary director Dario Argento's Inferno, and. Uh, one of the reasons why we did that one, just going to be honest with you guys behind the scenes, is because I had queued that up for a rewatch anyway and was just kind of talking about it. And Will's one of Will's favorite filmmakers is Argento. So, as it, it should be, yep, apropos to do that film. So, the legendary it, Argento, it was interesting, it was really interesting, it'll be fun. And hopefully, little you know, tidbit here too. I don't, again, I don't know when this is going out, but if you listen to this, hopefully, I'll be on the Killers of the Flower Moon episode of Watch Get Plus as well. Yes, yes, you will. I didn't want to give away that surprise, but I feel like you're going to dwarf us with your Scorsese eyebrow talk. I don't think so, but I, uh, I have a lot, I think I have a lot to say. It's been a week, that movie's still kind of, it's still, it's still kind of ruminating up in here in the, uh, the brain pan. It's moving around in there. I, I can't Starts wait to see it. Some controversy too. Cinema. Yeah, so much great. But I, it was I, a really good year for adults. And Bustin' Nut Seven comes out later this year. <laughs> oh, highly anticipated. Um, for those in the DC area, Coming Jose, soon. Jose, and I will be together at uh, the Alamo Draft House in DC on Saturday. Oh, um, yes. I wanted to be there. Yeah, for Dismember the Alamo. I'm kind of excited. I don't know about you, Jose. Yeah, um, I am very excited. I wonder what they'll show. I don't know. We'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's one of those things where I want to know, and I kind of don't want to know. <laughs> but come and say hi, listeners. Yes. If you know what we look like. There you go. <laughs> um, Brad, you want to talk about what's going on in the uh, non-breaking Brad segments that we do? Yeah, so our last uh, whole spooky uh, film we're doing for the month, we are doing uh, the sequel to Fright Night aptly called fright night two yeah this one is uh, a little bit hard to get a hold of but if you go to the old google machine and go to youtube you can find it there in its full effect yes um you'll have a couple of guests on that show too i think so i think we're gonna have a fun time talking about that one we're gonna have two you two fine gentlemen on with us yeah fingers crossed sam sammy long rider did you describe yourself as a long rider this month? <laughs> Definitely raw dogging all over the place. It's appropriate. I love it. Um, well, Brad, uh, sorry, sorry about this month, man. Sorry, Jose. Sorry, Sammy, about Skinnamarink. That was. Um, uh, uh, hey, thanks, Killing though. Three next month. Yeah. Yes, should be interesting. Yeah. And then it's we close it out. Probably a real movie. Uh, it's got a. <laughs> It's got a puppet, a turkey puppet yeah. in it. So who who knows? This is our second puppet film of the uh, experiment. Ginger Dead Man being uh, number for the yeah. first one. Yeah, give me that crossover, Troy. Ginger Dead Turkey thing. That'd be cool. I'm all for that. Yeah, we'll make Bet it. Out. There are no corners or ceilings in this one. We'll talk to full moon features. I did watch Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong. Oh, how was so. that one? That's the one I haven't seen. That's what it wasn't as good as you would hope. Uh, with that title. Nothing's going to be Ginger Dead Man three. To be quite honest, that's that's a highlight from this year. So, yeah. I don't uh, think so. Uh, okay, well, that's it. Um, come back next week for uh, turkey season because we're going to celebrate. And uh, that's a good one. 
That was really good. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you're watching the morning, afternoon, or evening. Thanks for downloading the episode, and uh, we'll catch you in November. So oh. see you then. Oh, Wanda. <laughs> uh, don't lose your head. <laughs>